Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,321. Today, we're going flying with the U.S. Air Force. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Guess what? Today I'm in Ellensworth at the Air Force Base in South Dakota with a very special guest by the name of Lieutenant Colonel Jordan Smith, but most people call him Joker. Hey, Joker, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Oh, I'm ready. I've already dumped the clutch, the pedals on the floor, the tires are screaming, the engine's roaring. Grandma's yelling, baby's <laughs> crying somewhere, the crowd's cheering, and I'm shifting gears with Mark Green on the Cars Yeah podcast. All right, very cool, very cool. But given uh, your piloting skills, it might be more fun to be jumping in a jet or something and uh, going super fast, but we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about cars, we're going to be talking about photography, and all the cool things that you do. But before we begin, and I give you an introduction, what's one little thing that most people don't know about you, Joker? Well, most people don't know that growing up, I attended a boarding school for troubled youth. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was in Glen Rose, Texas, uh, a little school. It's changed its name over the years, and now it's called North Central Texas Christian Academy. Mm -hmm. It's a a school there that's uh, about 500 acres, and they have housing where where students live there on on the farm, and they have a school there. I attended that school with my, my twin brother, Josh, and and we spent our high school years there and, and one year in middle school at that school for troubled youth. So not, not many people know that. Uh, that begs the question, were you and your brother both what we would classify as troubled youth? Yes. My, uh, my mother was a single mother uh, doing the best she could, working a couple jobs. But uh, my brother and I started walking down a dark path. And this boarding school in Texas gave us that, that second opportunity and, and set us on a, a path that gave us an opportunity in life. Well, you've got something in common with Steve McQueen. If you listen to my show with his son, Chad, and Chad's been on the Cars Yeah show here a couple times, uh, Steve McQueen fell into the same category, I guess you would say. He had, I think his father was absent. His mother actually had drug addictions and things like that. So different than your mom, of course. But he ended up in the uh, Boys Republic School in Chino because he was in front of a judge who said, okay, you've got two choices. I'm going to send you to jail or send you to Boys Republic. And he goes, what's Boys Republic? He goes, well, it's a school the country in East LA. And he says, well, it sounds like a country school is better than jail. I'll take that option, sir. And, uh, <laughs> and that turned him around. Uh, you know, it really taught him uh, acting, taught him great things. And of course, we know where Steve McQueen ended up and in, in the car world. So uh, well, it sounds like that was a good place for you and your brother. It was. Great. I'm, I'm happy you found that in life. And boy, how far you've come. My goodness. So uh, let me give you an introduction here. Lieutenant Colonel Jordan Smith is the director of Operations 89th Attack Squadron in the United States Air Force. He leads MQ-9 pilots, sensor operators, and intelligence professionals in worldwide combat operations. Jordan entered the Air Force in 2006 as a distinguished graduate of the Texas A&M University ROTC program. His active duty assignments include three operational tours with the 432nd Wing and training tours with the 12th Flying Freedom, Enduring Freedom, Freedom Sentinel, Inherit, Resolve, and Resolute Support. Jordan has over 5,500 hours flying and has piloted the MQ-9A, the MQ-1B, the T-1, and T-6 aircraft. And did I mention he's also a diehard automotive enthusiast and he shoots for Linkage Magazine, an advertiser here on Cars Yeah, which is cool. And of course, Jordan's call sign is Joker. So if you come across Jordan, that's what you want to call him. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsor. So give them a little love. And we'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up, way up. But my usage was the same, and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collector's Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collector's Insurance. I shopped around. I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner 
that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. So, Joker, we're back. First and foremost, your time in the Air Force. I want to thank you for your service. I've got an extra neighbor who's retired Air Force, many friends who retired military. My dad served some time after ROTC in college uh, in the Army. So all you folks and your your families and related families, my hat's off to all of you for what you do for us. So thank you very much. The Air Force, what led you into the Air Force and wanted to be up in the clouds? Well, growing up, my mother worked at Lockheed Martin. Back then, it was called General Dynamics in Fort Worth, and she would bring home these pamphlets of F-16s, and I would just be fascinated by the design, the cutaways, and the allure of of the fighter pilot lifestyle and and the missions that they flew. So from an early age, I kind of caught the bug of flying. I I would build models out of uh, balsa wood that I could find, and it it was just intriguing about the romantic aspect of flying, being in a, an airplane where you could you could go around the world. And, you know, when you go back to what you first told me about you and your brother and where you ended up in school and where you've ended up now, my goodness, I mean, what a success story of not only turning a difficult time around into a very, very prosperous and successful time, but uh, pilots, uh, you guys are no dummies. At least that's what my next door neighbor tells me. You're the smartest guys on the planet. So <laughs> you guys have to be very smart to do what you do. And one of the interesting things about you, and you listeners will see a picture of it if you go to uh, Joker's show notes page on the Car Show website, is a very cool red car. And we'll talk about that, but it's in front of a very unique aircraft, uh, this MQ that you pilot and you guys pilot. Can you talk a little bit about what those are? Because they're a very different type of aircraft. The MQ-9 is what we call a remotely piloted aircraft. It's a very large aircraft, and I encourage your listeners to go take a look at the picture because it will show a sense of scale of how big this airplane is. It's actually the size of about an A-10 fighter. It weighs 11,700 pounds uh, when fully loaded. It can carry 3,000 pounds of, of weapons. And more importantly, it can fly for up to 24 hours and when you're on the ground and you're in a firefight, you want that aircraft overhead to be persistent. And so we have that persistence of armed overwatch that some of the other aircraft in the Air Force inventory just don't don't have the capability to, to stay on station as long as we can. It's just amazing. I, I think it's so cool. And I was kind of shocked by the size. Last night I was talking to my wife about our talk today and 
And I said, you know, he flies this aircraft, the MQ-9, and it's one of the uh, pilotless planes. And she was thinking, oh, like a little drone. And I go, take a look at the size of this thing. And she went, what? It looks like a full-size airplane. And so it's it's just amazing. And uh, again, the ability of what you guys do. Now, when it can fly for that long, do you have a separate, I know in my introduction, you train people too to fly these things. So someone can be in charge of that and then hand it over to someone else and that is how that thing just keeps going and going. And, and does it refuel in the air or can it do that? Right now, the MQ-9 is, is not capable of refueling in the air, but we fly for so long, it's, it's not really needed. However, in future aircraft designs, when you can refuel an unmanned aircraft, in theory, the airplane can stay aloft for multiple days. Let me describe a little bit about how the architecture works for the MQ-9 remotely pilot aircraft. We have a lot of people, a, a large team that goes into the execution of a combat mission, and that starts with maintenance. The maintenance folks do a great job of preparing the aircraft, working out any kind of issues from the previous flight, and then getting that aircraft ready for the start, engine run, takeoff. And then the takeoff is different than the rest of flight. So with the satellite control, when we are controlling these MQ-9 Reapers from the other side of the world, from the United States, flying on the, the opposite side of the world, we're using satellite uh, control for those aircraft. Now, that satellite control has about a two-second delay. And unfortunately, that's, that's just too long to land or take off the aircraft safely because of that delay. So what we do is we, we deploy, four deploy crews to the theater to take off and land the aircraft with line-of-sight frequencies. And, and this enables the pilot to have instantaneous control without that delay. And so after the aircraft is taken off, we transfer control back to the stateside, what we call a mission crew element of the pilots that are flying from the United States. And they'll fly the entire mission for the next 20, 22 hours. And then once the aircraft has reached its fuel limitations, they'll come back and hand back to that crew. We call them the launch and recovery element. And they'll land the aircraft using those line of sight frequencies. So it, it really is a team effort uh, from partners and members from around the world to execute one of these combat missions. Wow. It's just incredible. Can these fly off aircraft carriers? Not yet. Uh, we are in development of some different types of remotely piloted aircraft. There's one that General Atomics right now, which manufactures the MQ-9 Reaper, they're advertising as a, a short takeoff and landing capable aircraft. And there's some videos that they're putting out of the, the aircraft taking off in 330, 400 feet. So that potential is there. Conversely, there's also the X-47, which demonstrated the ability to take off and land from the carrier. And, and that's more of a Navy aircraft. So the, the technology is demonstrated. Additionally, the MQ-9 is, is recently upgraded the software for the automatic takeoff and landing capabilities. So now the MQ-9 has a, a new set of tools to enable us to fly with satellite control and automatically land at these airfields around the world. So it's going to make us a lot more agile as a MQ-9 enterprise and present a complicated problem for our adversaries to, to solve. If, if our adversaries can't figure out where we're taking off and landing from, they're going to have to spend money, manpower, resources to come find us. And that's exactly what we want to do, complicate the decision-making process for our adversaries. Wow. It's amazing stuff. And then, of course, you start to add in what's coming online very fast here, artificial intelligence and how that will tie into all of this, which is probably a much longer talk uh, for another time. But it's it's just fascinating. It's really, really cool. And again, uh, all of us are very thankful for you and your team and everybody involved uh, for protecting us and uh, having something like this to, uh, to fly around the world and uh, keep things safe. So not only for us, for other countries as well. Very, very cool. But of course, this isn't aircraft yeah it's cars yeah and we got to talk about cars and what, what brought you and i together and uh, uh one of our mutual friends alexander sultanas introduced me to joker and said oh you should have this guy in the show and he sent me some pictures and i said well it's very cool he flies aircraft but what does this have to do with cars and he goes huh you'll find out <laughs> cars joker what is it with cars in your life well that that story takes me back to the time in the boarding school. So 
uh, at this boarding school, uh, North Central Texas Academy, they have weekend visits, Sunday visits, and it's an opportunity for parents to come take out their kids uh, to kind of get away for a little bit. Well, our mother never really made the time to to come visit us at the at the boarding school. So instead, Doc uh, volunteered. Uh, he was a veterinarian in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that's volunteered with troubled youth since the 1970s. And he would come take out kids that wow. that didn't have their parents to to take them away. And we'd go out to movies or dinner. And But Doc had all of these fascinating cars uh, that he had in his collection in, in Dallas. And he would you know, bring these cars out to the, the boarding school and we'd go driving in them. And I actually learned to drive a manual on his 1965 GTO. It was beautiful. Oh, my gosh. Blue mist. Light blue interior, it has air conditioning, it had automatic uh, windows, which was a very rare option. It's a beautiful car, straight body lines, stacked headlights, classic design of the muscle car era. And I was so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet. I mean, I, every time I grinded the gears, I just cringed. Yeah, um, yeah. But I fell in love with this this 1965 GTO. And Fast forward a few years after being in the Air Force for a, a little bit, I, I'd saved up some money and, and I decided to go back and, and call Doc again and ask him if I could buy the car from him. Oh, wow. And sadly, uh, I learned that he had sold the car a few years back and he lost track uh, through the, the sale of, of where the car actually went to. So I, I started the inevitable search uh, for Doc's 65 GTO, and I scoured the internet. And after a while, I looked at everything that was out there. So I changed my tactic to searching Google. And, and here's a pro tip for your listeners. If you search Google and then limit your search by just the things that came online in the last 24 hours, you can see the new sales that are coming up. Uh, that haven't been on the internet oh, for very long. Now, I didn't even know that. That's awesome. So yeah, pro tip for your listeners, limit your search by the recency of the post. And so while I was searching for 1965 GTO with this 24-hour limitation, I came across something I never thought I would see. It was a 1965 Royal Bobcat GTO. What? Now, let me explain a little bit about the Royal Bobcat. Back in the 60s, Jim Wangers, which is affectionately known as the Godfather GTO, he was the marketing guy for Pontiac back in the 60s. He teamed up with a guy named Ace Wilson. Ace Wilson uh, was the son of a, a car dealer, and he took over this car dealership, Royal Pontiac. And Jim Wangers and Ace Wilson teamed together to create a dealer race team. So they would Pontiac, Royal Pontiac would go out racing on the weekends. And we've heard this story before, race on Sunday, sell on Monday. Well, Jim Wangers knew how to sell cars and knew how to market. He not only encouraged the performance of Royal Pontiac, he also educated the salespeople in the dealership to be knowledgeable about performance. So when the enthusiasts came to Royal Pontiac, they could actually speak to somebody that was intelligent on the things that had been modified for the race. So Royal Pontiac would do all of the research and testing on the track and then transfer that knowledge to the customer. And they would also install these performance kits. So this is where the Royal Bobcat kit came in, into being. It was your basic hot rod tricks. They would put in thinner head gaskets to increase the compression. They put a, a tub around the carburetors and open the hood scoop to keep the hot air out of the carburetors. It wasn't necessarily ram air, but it was more of the heat, shielding the heat from the carburetors. They advanced the timing. They put different jets in the carburetors to make a more streamlined air-to-fuel mixture so you didn't have the transition. The tri-power had a transition from the single carb to the, the three carburetors, and they just did your basic hot rod tricks. And you could either get the Royal Bobcat kit installed at the dealership, or you could order the Royal Bobcat kit through the mail and you could in actually install it yourself. Wow. Now, I've never found any other numbers than just one number of how many Royal Bobcat kits were sold in, in 1965. And this is not an official number by any means. But the only number I've ever been able to find is uh, 1,000 kits. 
uh, were sold or installed at the dealership. Huh. So I see this this advertisement on Craigslist, of all places, for a 1965 Royal Bobcat. And I start reading the description, and it goes on, and it, it describes something else that just sits me back in my seat. This car, this particular 1965 Royal Bobcat, was previously owned by Jim Wangers. The godfather of the GTO is in his private collection oh my gosh. for 30 years. Oh my gosh. And so I'm I'm beside myself at this point. And so I, I, I call the guy up and I and I ask him, I'm like, is is this really a 1965 Royal Bobcat? Did Jim Wangers really own this car for 30 years? And he says, It sure is. Uh, but you know, I've already got eight to nine different offers on this this <laughs> yeah. car and mind it's only been on the internet for a few hours. Yeah. And said I told him, well, I'm, I'm really interested in buying. I'm, I'm in South Dakota right now. The car was in, in Arizona at the time. That if, if I buy a plane ticket to come see you tomorrow, will you give me the first opportunity to buy it? He says, well, you're pretty, I guess you're pretty serious. So sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then I, I hang up and, and Mark, I, I make the hardest call of my life. I call my wife, Andrea. Uh-huh. And Andrea is in some airport somewhere <laughs> in that port. Thing. I told her, I, you know how I've been looking for Doc's car? Well, I came across this special car and I, I really want to go see if it's really what this guy says it is. And she says, well, you can go see it. And aha, <laughs> I got my foot in the door. You, you married the right gal. <laughs> so I take some emergency leave. I fly down to Arizona the next day look at the car. It's exactly what he said it was. And so then I decided to call Doc. And I I said, Doc, you know, I've been looking for your car, but this this is a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I don't know if I can pass it up. And he said, I absolutely agree. You you need to to take this opportunity because you won't see it again. And so I paid for the car, and it was such short notice that I I had to fly back that same day uh, because I had to fly a combat mission in Afghanistan. Oh, goodness. So it was a whirlwind of a 42-hour period of finding the car, flying to Arizona, purchasing the car, flying back to South Dakota, and then flying a combat mission from South Dakota in Afghanistan the next day. <laughs> what What a life. Oh, my gosh. This is such a fun story. And begs to ask the question, did you buy it? I did. I ended up purchasing the car uh, after a, a conversation with Andrea and Scott was so nice. This is the gentleman I bought it from. He uh, let me keep the car at his, his garage, and then he coordinated the shipping to get it shipped back to South Dakota. Nice. So it was crazy experience and totally unexpected. Well, I kind of just fell into it. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, be vigilant. Uh, some of the things they teach you in the military, right? That's right. And also, you know, just uh, look ahead to the horizon, which is, of course, what race car drivers and pilots do. You're always looking way ahead. So what a wonderful story. That's cool. And is that the car that's in the picture you sent me with the uh, the, the airplane you guys fly, the MQ-9? That's right. That's that's the red 1965 Royal Bobcat. Oh, my gosh. Owned by Jim Wangers. How cool is this? Wow, what a wonderful story. I love it. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. So your affiliation with Linkage Magazine, of course, my listeners know for a while now, Linkage has been an advertiser here on Cars, yeah, and uh, great affiliation I have with Donald Osborne and the group there and what they're doing at uh, Drains. How did you get involved in shooting pictures for Linkage? When I purchased the, the GTO in, in 2015, I started on a journey. And Andrea's got to know this about me well, and, and most of my friends know this about me. Once I get one of these ideas in my head, it, I just, I'm on a warpath and <laughs> I, I don't give up. I am persistent. And the idea that I came up with, uh, there's a couple different things that are misconstrued and just misunderstand, understood about the MQ-9 Reaper. The first is the size, and you've seen that through the pictures I've shown you. So to convey the, the sense of scale, I thought, wouldn't it be great? If we could get the 1965 Royal Bobcat owned by Jim Wangers on the Jay Leno garage with the MQ-9 sitting next to it. So you could you could share with the large audience, uh, just like what you're, we're sharing with your tier where they can go see the picture, the sense of scale of this aircraft, because it, it changes the narrative of how you talk about remote air power, uh, because it is such a large aircraft. And the other thing that's typically misunderstood, I've, I've heard a lot of uh, these comments over the years of, is what you do like a video game? And I, I counter the video game stigma every opportunity I get, because when we release a bomb 
and we drop 500-pound bombs that are laser-guided. When we drop that bomb and the sensor operator, which is sitting next to the pilot controlling the camera, they're firing a laser on the ground, which this bomb is guiding to. Once that bomb is off the aircraft, there is no reset button. It's going to hit the ground somewhere. And, and I always tell people that the sensor operator that's guiding that weapon has the hardest job in the Air Force for 30 seconds at a time. It takes about 30 seconds by, by the time you release that bomb until it hits the ground. And they have to, to guide that weapon as the battlefield is changing below them. And there's a lot that can happen in 30 seconds. No kidding. Wow. So I, I counter the argument that what we do is, is a, like a video game in any, any way, because there is no reset button and it's life or death decisions. Yeah. Serious consequences in, in all respects. So, uh, exactly. I've never even liked that equation because it's just, it's completely different. I mean, it's, uh, it's real life, you know, life and death in serious, serious situations. So, uh, Wow, what a what a cool deal! So you ended up getting Jay Leno with your car and the MQ9. Did that all happen? We're still pursuing that that goal. Uh, sadly, Jay Leno's garage was was canceled by CNBC uh, this year, so they're currently looking for a, a different network to pick them up. Uh, we had it all scheduled out to be filmed, uh, but with this uh, delay, we'll just have to uh, reschedule. Now, how I how I got to Lincoln to answer your your original question. I got to know Donald Osborne over the years, and I decided to to volunteer at the Audrain for their Motor Week. They have a beautiful concourse that they put on in Newport, Rhode Island, and oh, I man. encourage your listeners to go check it out. It's a fantastic uh, show, and it, it's an entire week where there's different events. And one of those events is at the Tennis Hall of Fame, and they set up some various tents there. And while I was volunteering, I met... Chester Allen and Jim Pickering, the editors for Lincoln Magazine. Yeah, I know both those guys. Yeah, they're great guys. And we just got to become friends. And I'm into photography. And I started shooting some photos for them. Uh, I've written a couple of articles for the Linkage Magazine. Um, but all these things that I've been doing over the years is to try to uh, get the MQ-9 and the 65 GTO on Jay Leno's garage so we can help share our story. And that's why I appreciate you having me on Cars Yeah, because it's an opportunity to, to share our story and let people know about the amazing things that this, this airplane has done and, and share those stories of, of why the soldiers on the ground love the MQ-9 when it's overhead. They're, they're always happy because they know we're there, we're there to protect them. Right. That's how I got involved with Linkage. And I've, I've really enjoyed it because it's challenged me as a photographer. It's challenged me as a, uh, an amateur writer to polish some of those skills and, and diversify things that are, are outside the Air Force because life is always interesting. And, I, and I've always got these different ideas and projects going on and it keeps, keeps me busy and it's, it's fun. Well, it's very, very cool. And uh, no doubt at some point that all is going to happen. Yeah, I've been, I, my listeners know I've joked about it. I've been trying to get Jay on this show for since I started it. I have not been successful yet. I've talked to him on lawns at Concord events many times, but of course he's a busy, busy, busy guy. So the fact that you even had it set up, my hat's off to you. And I'm, I'm hoping that will happen. I'm sure it will uh, one of these days. So uh, when you see him, put in a good word for me, would you? <laughs> I sure will, Mark. I sure will. That'll be cool. Well, we have to talk a little bit about uh, what I call your special vehicle story, I think we kind of already covered this, that 65-row Bobcat GTO. Would you say that is your special vehicle story? I would say the, the special vehicle story for me is is Doc's 1965 GTO. Mm, yeah. Driving around Dallas. And, and remember, I was going to this boarding school at the time. Doc had a, has an interesting way of relating to troubled youth. He's got an interesting way of talking with youth and encouraging them to pursue whatever they're interested in without being judgmental. And how that relates to cars is he, he loves sharing the, the muscle car era and his cars with, with the kids. And it would be a, a way of opening up and letting the kids talk and share kind of some of their experiences when they felt comfortable. And Driving around Dallas in a, a 1965 GTO, you get all kinds of looks, thumbs up, smiles, <laughs> no cool car. And it, it was the first time in my life where uh, I got to experience driving in such a cool car and, and seeing the reaction of other people to that car. It was just, it was such a, 
a, a life-changing event for me. And I just really enjoyed going on those drives with, with Doc around Dallas. We didn't have any destination in mind, but it was just fun to be in the car. You know, you'd sit at a traffic stoplight and the car would just rumble and shake side to side from the, just the pure power from the vehicle. And it was just a neat thing. And so that, that would be my special car is, is Doc's 1965 GTO because it, it had such a, a memory for me and it, it made such an impact in my life and along with Doc and his mentorship over the years. Wow. So my special my special car is Doc's 1965 GTO. Wow, what a, a fortunate thing to have somebody so special in your life. And uh, people like Doc, boy, uh, they make such tremendous differences in his skill set and how he helped you and many, many other people, no doubt. We're still talking about him today. Is Doc still with us today? He is. He still lives in uh, Richardson, Texas. There you go. He's retired now, uh, but he, he still... He still has a few cars, but not quite the collection that he used to have. He, he, I asked Doc one day, I said, Doc, how many cars have you owned? And he rumbled around and, and found this just yellow sheet. And it, it was just ruled lined and it was filled out with all of his cars. <laughs> and just going through the list and seeing all the things that he owned over the years. But again, my, my favorite thing was, was always that. That 65 GTO, I always love that one. Ah, cool. Well, hats off to you, Doc. Thank you for what you've done for so many lives. That's a tremendous story. So I'm a bit of a car psychologist. I'm going to crawl into your skull a little bit here. This will be very interesting. Okay. If you were reincarnated, you were manifest as a vehicle. Now, this isn't what you want to be, though. you got to dig deep into your mind as to who you are as a man, uh, as a pilot, as a person, as a f- car fanatic. Uh, what kind of vehicle would you be? But more importantly, Joker, is the why. Well, Mark, I'm going to deviate a little bit here. Okay. Being a pilot, yeah, I'm going to pick an airplane. Okay, cool. You'll be the first. So if I was to be an airplane, I would be what's termed a water bomber airplane. Okay, what's that? One of my favorite movies is a movie called Always. And Always uh, was directed by Steven Spielberg. It's a movie about these water bomber airplanes or, or fire bomber airplanes. Okay. Now we know what we're talking about. Yeah. 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 They dump water over the fire. And so I would probably be a seaplane where it could land on water, scoop up the water and then fly over the fire, dump the water and put out the fire. I, I've always been guided by helping other people. That's always been my passion in life. The boarding school gave me a second chance, and, and I've been trying to, to return that favor ever since. And if you if you can make a difference in somebody's life, you can save the world. I'll save it for the end, but I'll, I'll share at the end of this, this podcast with your audience uh, a speech that I've come up with over the years called, I've titled it, Save the World. And it's a, just a collection of stories over the years. But getting back to the, the point of any vehicle that I could be, it would be a, a water bomber airplane because it would help me help other people with with their their homes and and putting out fires very cool what a great story yeah and listeners hang on to the end here uh quite a treat we have for you so sit tight a great reading is there a book you'd like to share we love books here on card yeah my favorite book is probably the looming powers it's it's by an author named lawrence wright and he he goes into the background of al-Qaeda and the 9-11 attacks. And after flying all these missions, I've I've flown combat missions since 2009. It was the best book that kind of explained al-Qaeda's motives and intentions behind the 9-11 attacks. And there's also a a Hulu series uh, along the same title. It's called The Looming Towers. And Lawrence Wright had a heavy influence on that that series, so it's done right, and it was it was very close to the book as well. But the Looming Tower would be the the book I would recommend, and it's just it will help you understand better Al Qaeda's goals behind 9/11 and how we we made some mistakes along the way uh, between the FBI and the CIA not working together. Um, but it, it gives you a better understanding of of why we went to to war and and kind of some of the look behind the scenes and. I just, I'd recommend that book to anybody that's interested in understanding about 9-11 attacks. 
Yeah, my son, uh, who's uh, just a prolific reader, recommended that book. And uh, yeah, it's everyone should read that book. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it uh, kind of opens up a lot of things that probably stories you've heard along the way that aren't correct and uh, helps helps you understand uh, what was a terribly tragic situation that led to so many other things. Awesome. The Looming Towers by Lawrence Wright. So we're going to go on the ultimate drive, or in this case... It could be the ultimate flight. I'm going to open that opportunity to you. What I do here on Cars Yeah is I enable my guests to go on a drive, or in your case, a flight. I'll provide the vehicle or the airplane. You can take it anywhere, but here's the key part. You can take anyone with you, even somebody from the past who's no longer with us, or if you want to take Doc, whoever it is. So what does the ultimate drive or flight look like for you, Joker? Well, the ultimate drive for me would probably be with uh, Jay Leno okay. driving across the country because i i asked jay leno this question at one of the, the seminars that he did at audrain uh last year and the question i asked is i asked jay have you ever driven across the country and he said no i, I couldn't believe uh, jay leno has never driven <laughs> yeah. across the united states yeah so my dream uh would be to drive across country uh with jay leno and it would be in the favorite car of his collection for me is his Ford Galaxy. Mm. And I, I love his Ford Galaxy because of the story behind it. And Jay's told this several times on his, his YouTube channel. The Ford Galaxy, Jay ordered that and he specked it out. Uh, Unbig notes to his father. Jay selected the police intercept interceptor package for this nice. Galaxy. And so it's got the big engine. But the, the car by itself is also close to the 1965 GTO. It's got those straight lines. It's got the stacked headlights. And so there's a lot of similarities between my favorite car and the, and the Galaxy. So we'd, we'd go across country in the, the Ford Galaxy uh, with Jay Leno. And I, I'd have Doc with us, too, uh, because I think it would be fun to, to go across country with Doc. Doc, and, Doc would sometimes take kids on these uh, summer trips. And we went hiking in New Mexico and different places. Uh, but it was always fun going across country with Doc uh, to these these various places that you would never imagine going as a kid. Uh, so that would that would be my my road trip and my favorite drive cross country with Jay Leno and Doc. I love it. That sounds awesome. What a great answer to that question. Yeah, Jay, you know, if you're listening out there, what you should do is drive across country and every day you stop and then a new guest gets on board and then drives that day with you, and then a new guest gets on board, you could spread it out because, you know, uh, you never know who you might be with. You might want to shorten that visit, but uh, that sounds like a wonderful <laughs> trip. Absolutely. Well, we're going to do something special for you listeners, and uh, Joker here uh, alluded to this earlier, so usually I ask guests to uh, give our listeners final words of wisdom, thoughts, advice. Definitely you're going to do that, so uh, this, this story is a little bit long, but stick with it. I think it's going to be worth it, so Joker, you have the control. Great. Thanks so much, Mark. This speech that I'm about to, to present is a collection of stories over the years, and I've titled the speech saving the world. So in 1998, my twin brother and I were in junior high school walking down a dark path. Our mother sent us to a boarding school for troubled youth, North Central Texas Academy, which is near Glen Rose, Texas. The school was founded by Gloria and Ed Shipman in 1975 when they took some runaway girls into their home. My brother and I learned the value of hard work and teamwork. North Central Texas Academy as a 4-H program where kids can raise pigs, sheep, and even heifers. In addition, we joined playing football, basketball, and baseball. North Central Texas Academy provided the structured support network that our single mother just simply couldn't provide. Doc volunteered at North Central Texas Academy. Doc has worked with troubled youth in the Dallas-Fort Worth area since the 1970s, North Central Texas Academy allows parents to take their kids on sunny visits for a few hours. Unfortunately, our mother didn't find the time to visit us. Instead, Doc would take us to a movie or dinner uh, in town, and Doc taught me to take pride in everything that I did. He has a way of relating to kids with troubled backgrounds. Doc once said to somebody struggling with confidence, look at my hands and look at your hands. Do you see any difference? Of course not. If I can do it, 
so can you. In my eyes, he saved the world. Then in 2005, Hurricane Katrina and Rita devastated the Gulf of Mexico. Texas A&M University established a shelter at their basketball arena where I volunteered as a student. I met a young girl named Asia who told me that the hurricane had ruined her birthday. She described seeing her cake float down the street in the floodwater. It was the saddest thing I've ever heard. But our volunteers soon had a solution. The firefighters found party decorations. The student volunteers found a few toys. And the Texas A&M University cooks baked a cake. One of my friends lifted Asia on his shoulder as a thousand evacuees and volunteers sang happy birthday in the basketball arena. In her eyes, we saved the world. After graduating from Texas A&M, I joined the Air Force and flew remotely piloted aircraft. And then in 2012, I flew a close air support mission to protect American Special Operations Forces that were pinned down by enemy fire. The sensor operator frantically scanned the area for the enemy. Frustrated that we could not find the enemy, I radioed the Joint Terminal Attack Controller, or the JTAC, to confirm the direction where they were receiving fire from. The JTAC screamed north. We're taking effective fire. We could hear the desperation in his voice. The sensor operator continued to scan, then a tap on my shoulder. It was shift change, and the next pilot was ready to swap out. It was eight in the morning after a long midnight shift. I didn't want to swap out. My guys were in trouble. The new pilot had been watching the battle and had built his situational awareness. Conceding that I was tired, I reluctantly decided to swap out. I looked the new pilot in the eyes and I said, promise me, you won't let my guys die. He replied, I promise. And I drove home to Las Vegas with the battle still raging in Afghanistan. I couldn't sleep. I kept thinking about the battle. The next day I raced to work and asked an intelligence officer, how are my guys? Are they okay? He replied, Joker, they're all right. But they evacuated one soldier for a bullet wound to his leg. In the weeks that followed, I had a difficult time. My mind would think back to the mission, what could we have done differently to avoid the soldier's injury? Remotely piloted aircraft are not at physical risk when flying combat missions. We bear the burden of our life or death decisions that are made from 8,000 miles away on the other side of the world. Sometimes we cannot save the world. In 2014, I flew another close air support mission to help 108 American soldiers in Afghanistan who found themselves in desperate need of help. The soldiers set up defensive positions in three separate compounds as the Taliban planned their attack. The weather was terrible. We were the only MQ-9 flying in Afghanistan. We flew under thunderstorms and between mountains to even reach the soldiers. We found the enemy in close proximity to the soldiers when we arrived. We watched as the enemy prepared to attack the soldiers. I radioed to the soldiers that the enemy was moving in to attack. Take cover. Then I shot a Hellfire missile that impacted as the Taliban leaned over the wall to shoot at the soldiers. In the eyes of those 108 soldiers and their families, we saved the world. Then in 2017, I volunteered to help with Hurricane Harvey relief in San Antonio, Texas. The Red Cross established shelters in New Braunfels where I led two hurricane shelters. The volunteers helped move evacuees later to the San Antonio shelter after the New Braunfels shelter was closed. Preparing for this move, I helped a lady mark her personal belongings before we loaded a bus. I asked her how many bags she had, and I watched as she counted everything on one hand. When I pointed out that she had just counted everything that she owned on one hand, she smiled and said, that's okay. We have hope. In her eyes, we saved the world. Later in 2019, I flew another close air support mission to protect 60 Afghanistan Special Operations Forces fighting the Taliban. As the only aircraft available to help, we faced the worst case scenario of providing emergency close air support. 
Unable to radio the ground forces, I called the Joint Terminal Attack Controller, the JTAC, to obtain weapons release authority. Technical Sergeant Welsh identified the building that the enemy would attack from without reliable information 13 minutes before the Taliban began their attack. I executed the attack plan as the enemy shot heavy machine guns and rocket propeller grenades at friendly forces located just across the street. I fired a Hellfire missile within 30 meters of friendly forces at significant risk, well inside the danger close distance. As the enemy continued to attack, I max performed the Hellfire missile and shot the enemy who was now behind the aircraft. Sergeant Welsh guided the second Hellfire missile 30 meters from the friendly forces to stop the first of many Taliban attacks. Then I used an interpreter to stop the friendly forces before they cleared the building with the Taliban still waiting inside. Undeterred, the Taliban collected their heavy weapons from the building and regrouped to continue their attacks. With clearance to shoot, I aborted the attack when an untargeted civilian came into view and avoided a civilian casualty. Sergeant Wells shifted the camera back to the original building when the enemy attacked again. I updated the weapon fusing six seconds before weapons were released. The Taliban advanced as the Hellfire missile guided to the target. The Hellfire missile impacted seconds before the soldiers would have been overrun. Then I requested to scramble fighters when I only had one weapon remaining. And then I briefed the pilots on the situation before they took off. Given wrong information, Sergeant Welsh identified unreported friendly forces, and I aborted the attack to avoid the friendly fire. After Sergeant Welsh found two enemy locations, I coordinated mortar fire missions that finally sent the enemy into retreat. That day, we saved 60 lives without ever talking to them and stopped a Taliban advance into a major city. For this, we were awarded the Meritorious Service Medal with our device, the highest award ever given to remotely piloted aircrew. In the eyes of those 60 Afghanistan Special Operations Forces and their families, we saved the world. Later that same year, in 2019, three MQ-9 Reapers from three different attack squadrons provided close air support 24 hours a day to protect 100 Afghanistan soldiers during a nine-day battle in a mountain valley. MQ-9s would employ 23 Hellfire missiles and eliminate 42 enemy fighters during the battle. I personally flew close air support missions during the last five days of the battle. Arriving at the battle, the sensor operator identified enemy fighters on the top of a mountain overlooking the friendly forces below. I used advanced weapon fusing and shot a Hellfire missile to eliminate two Taliban fighters. The remaining Taliban fighters scattered underneath trees on the mountaintop. Then we coordinated for two F-16 fighter jets to drop global positioning system guided bombs onto the enemy location. Over the next three days, I led the MQ-9 effort to push back the enemy. We were unable to communicate with the Afghanistan soldiers on the ground. The MQ-9 crews had to work together to determine the Taliban's position and anticipate their next moves. On the ninth day of the battle, the sensor operator identified enemy fighters attacking friendly forces. I shot a Hellfire missile to stop the Taliban's attack. Then thunderstorms developed over the mountains. I navigated around the thunderstorms to enable the sensor operator to locate the Taliban commander that was leading the nine-day battle. Accompanying the Taliban commander was his boss's boss, the Taliban commander of the regional province. We followed the two high-value targets for hours through large crowds in a village that was south of the battle. Mountains and thunderstorms presented a difficult challenge to track the two Taliban commanders. We waited for an opportunity to attack. Thunderstorms completely enveloped the mountain valley. The Taliban commanders only gave us a small window of opportunity to attack. After I shot a Hellfire missile, my worst nightmare came before my eyes. A motorcycle with two civilians came into our field of view six seconds before the weapon was to impact. I directed the sensor operator to offset crosshairs. The sensor operator guided the Hellfire missile to the only spot 
that saved those civilian lives and also eliminated the regional province Taliban commander and the Taliban commander leading the nine-day battle. The battle was finally over. In the eyes of those 100 Afghanistan soldiers and their families, we saved the world. Mark, I want to thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to share some of the stories of the MQ-9 community with you. A lot of these stories are not in the public view because of the sensitive nature, but the, the stories I've shared with you today have been reviewed by the public affairs and approved for public release. So I, I'm excited that as we, we come out of combat, that we're able to share some of these stories uh, with the American public and have a better understanding of some of the, the amazing missions that our remotely piloted aircraft crews have, have done over the last 15, 20 years. Wow. Well, I'm honored to have you on the show, and I can't thank you enough for sharing some amazing stories. Oh, wow. Uh, some things that uh, a lot of us folks back here have no idea what happens and what goes on, but the pressures and the talent and the skills of you and your teammates and everybody. Um, wow. Uh, heartwarming stories. So thank you, Joker, and your team and all the folks for saving the world. Wonderful story. I really appreciate that. How can people learn more about you? Are you active on social media? Or I know there's a uh, Ellen, Ellensworth Air Force Base Visitor Center there where people can go and visit. I've seen uh, pictures of some of the aircraft they're sitting around. Uh, I am active on social media. We can put some links on, on your website to where folks can, can find uh, videos. I, I enjoy doing 360 videos. I think it's a, a wonderful way to experience being someplace. For example, when I was at Laguna Seca last year, I, I went to Pebble Beach for the first time with linkage to shoot for photography. And I, I came across a 1929 Bentley that had won the 24 Hours of Le Mans twice. And I got the opportunity to put a 360 GoPro camera as this two-time winning 24-hour Le Mans winning race car went around Laguna Seca Raceway. And when you watch the video, it's like you're sitting in the passenger seat. You hear all the sounds. You can look around. So um, I've got a YouTube channel that, that some of those 360 videos your, your audience can go look at. Uh, but we'll put links in the in the website for where they can find those. There you go. I'll make sure I put those links on the Joker's show notes page on the Cars Show website for sure. You can also go to linkagemag.com if you want to subscribe. Uh, I've been subscribing since they started. And of course, you hear their ads here on Cars Yeah. So check out Linkage Magazine. It's a wonderful publication. Joker, I can't thank you enough for spending time with me today and sharing your life with us and for you and all the magnificent people in the Air Force and all the services who do what they do every day around the world. It's absolutely amazing. So thank you. My heart's out to all of you folks. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you hopefully down the road or maybe up in the air somewhere. That sounds great, Mark. We'll see you around. Have a good day. Thanks so much. Cars yeah is proud to support our veterans, which is why I've teamed up with our nonprofit partner, TechForce Foundation, through its Veterans at Work Military Transition Campaign. The tech shortage is very real, and our country needs skilled, qualified techs to keep our cars, trucks, airplanes, and fleets rolling. When so many vets build their skills in maintaining and servicing vehicles when deployed, TechForce helps transition those skills to jobs as professional technicians when they come home. Learn more about TechForce Foundation and its Veterans at Work Military Transition Fund at techforce.org today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!